Let's pray. We'll ask God for his help. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we pray now that you'll fill us with your spirit so we can understand it and so we can think hard about putting your word into practice in our lives. Please do change us. Give us courage. Give us opportunity. Help us to, to be part of your kingdom and to serve faithfully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of years ago, I read an article in a book about uh, marketing, and uh, I learned about a thing called shilling. I think I I told you about it at the time, but uh, shilling is where businesses, uh, they, to advertise, they don't get, um, you know, celebrities or something like that. What what they do, if the businesses want to advertise, they pay ordinary people to talk about their products during the ordinary course of life. So, standing in the queue at the shops or uh, waiting at the bus stop, that kind of thing. Uh, But the thing is, these people... They don't let on that they're advertising. They just pretend that they're talking about the product. So imagine, for example, you take your kids to soccer. Uh, During the game, you sidle up to another parent on the sideline. G'day, my name's Jeff. Uh, You you chat for a while, talk about the World Cup or something like that, and then then surreptitiously you just drop it into your conversation. Do you know what? A few days' time, I'm going to be turning 50. Don't look it, do I? My skin is so smooth and wrinkle-free. And I'm not even Asian. Do you want to know why I look so young? It's because I use Acme anti-aging cream. <laughs> so it's, it's not an ethical practice, uh, but it's apparently very, very effective. It's effective, apparently, all the more so today, because uh, nowadays people, uh, apparently, they trust authorities less, they trust advertising less and less, but still they trust family and friends and people they know. I know that it's true for me. Just a few days ago, JK, I haven't seen JK here today, but JK, a member of our congregation, a Korean lady in our congregation, uh, she recommended that I should try gimbap. It's a kind of Korean sushi. Uh, So the next day, sure enough, I went across the road to buy some gimbap, and uh, when I got there, JK happened to be standing there, just in the queue. (laughs) Amazing. Um, And she recommended that I should buy a particular brand of gimbap. Apparently, you should buy Hua Gai Jangte brand. I got back to work, and uh, Elisa, our church administrator, who also happens to be Korean, said, oh, definitely, Jeff, it's definitely the best brand. You have to go with Hua Gai Jung Te brand. So now I'm sold. I'm sold. Never tried any other brand. I always, uh, once or twice a week now, I walk across the road here, and I buy Hua Gai Tang Jung Te Kimbo. <laughs> you know, if I'd seen an ad for it on TV, I probably wouldn't have bought it. But I listened to friends, uh, particularly... Korean friends recommending Korean food. (laughs) Friends, do you know what? It's also true with the message about Jesus. Uh, The statistics are unambiguous on this. The vast majority of people, it's around about 8 out of 10, the vast majority of people who become Christians do so because a family member or a friend told them about him. For children, it's most commonly family. Uh, But for adults who come to faith, the most common situation is that a friend told them about Jesus. Uh, One survey puts it this way. What made the real difference with the unchurched were personal relationships. The majority who find Christ look back and say that it was a friend who influenced them towards faith. It's not usually ministers. 
It's not usually professional evangelists. It's ordinary Christians. Ordinary Christians who have the courage to tell their friends and family about Jesus. As we've seen over these last couple of weeks, as we've been looking together at uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, Paul is writing from prison. He's writing from jail in Rome. Uh, he's in jail for telling people about Jesus. He, he's chained up like a criminal, we'll see today. And, and rightly he fears that his execution is looming. He's about to be murdered for talking about Jesus. Meanwhile, as we saw last week, Andrew showed us last week, all his co-workers have deserted him. Almost nobody has stuck with him. The going's got too tough. They ran away. Paul's feeling worried. He's feeling stressed. Uh, of course, he's worried about himself. But, but more than that, he, he's, he's feeling anxious about what's going to happen with the true message about Jesus. Who's going to carry on the ministry that he has been performing? Uh, who's going who's to pass on the baton, to use the image that we've seen over these last couple of weeks? Paul hopes it's going to be Timothy. But it's not going to be easy. And so that's why he's writing this second letter, to get Timothy to pass on, uh, to, to pass on the baton to Timothy and get Timothy to pass on the baton himself. And now as we come into chapter 2, the first thing that Paul says is, is that um, Timothy has, himself, he needs to stick with the message of grace. Uh, the world says that you can get to heaven by being good. The world says that you can earn a place in heaven by living a good life. But that is not the true Christian message. The Christian message is that we are sinners who cannot get ourselves to heaven. The Christian message is that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And so that the way we can get to heaven is through Jesus. The Christian message is that Jesus offers to save us and bring us to heaven as a free gift by grace it's a message of grace and Paul says to Timothy first and foremost you've got to hang on to that message of grace yourself you've got to be strong 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 have a look with me 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 remember we've just heard about how all these different people have deserted Paul but he says you then you then my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hold on to that message of grace. But, but more than that, Timothy's got to pass on the message of grace. Uh, even more than that, he needs to pass on the message to people who will themselves keep on passing it on. Timothy needs to work hard to ensure that the message of Christ is being passed on. Uh, verse 2. Strong and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Now, I don't think Paul is telling Timothy to train ministers here, I don't think Paul is talking about a program to get full time evangelists up and running. No, no, no. I think he's telling Timothy to equip ordinary Christians to know the gospel and to share the gospel. 
It's just like the video that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember the video a couple of weeks ago uh, where uh, Elaine gave the message to Carmelina and Carmelina gave the message to Diana and Diana gave it to Debbie and, and on it goes, on it goes. Timothy needs to hold on to the message of grace through Jesus. He needs to pass it on to others who will continue to pass it on. But the thing is this, and Paul knows this, Paul knew this by bitter experience. In our world, if you hold on to the message of grace and you pass it on, it's going to mean suffering. If you are faithful, it'll mean persecution. Verse 3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay, so what does Timothy need to do? Three things. Stick with the message of grace. Pass it on and expect to suffer. Stick with the message, pass it on and expect to suffer. And what Paul does, he now uses three illustrations. Three illustrations that will help Timothy to stick with the message, pass it on, ready to suffer. Uh, first, there's the illustration of a soldier. And, and the point of this illustration is that the soldier, he, he doesn't get distracted by civilian life. No, no, he, he focuses, he focuses his mind on the goal of pleasing his commander. In the same way, Paul says, Timothy, you're going to need to focus. Don't get distracted by the stuff of this life. Focus on sticking to the message, passing it on, willing to suffer. Verse 4. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Second illustration. Second illustration is of an athlete. Uh, the point is, if an athlete is going to win, they have to, they've got to follow the rules, compete according to the rules. Now, for Timothy, the rules are clear. Stick with the message of grace, pass it on, ready to suffer. Well, Timothy needs to learn from the athlete and stick to the rules. Verse 5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Soldier, athlete. Third illustration is of a farmer. Uh, a farmer has to work hard. But, but the farmer does it knowing that there should be a prize. Uh, he'll get to enjoy the crops. In the same way, Timothy needs to work hard, share in the gospel, and, and he needs to keep his eye on the prize, the prize of eternal life. Verse 6. The hard-working farmer, the hard-working farmer, should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Undistracted like a soldier. According to the rules, like an athlete. Hard working, eyes on the prize, like a farmer. Have you ever been like that with anything in your life? In, in Bible study this week, we asked the question about your um, athletic history. I don't know how it was uh, for those of you who were in Bible study during the week. Um, some people had really trained very hard for, uh, for some stuff. Let me tell you my story. It's a very old story, but uh, you probably haven't noticed this, but I'm, I'm not all that tall, only 173 centimetres. And it, it, it took me a long time to get to this height. I was a slow grower. Uh, I was always the smallest boy in all of my classes at school. Uh, I also went to a school where bullying was endemic, and so I didn't have the greatest time at school. 
but then at university I discovered a karate club. I took a few classes and I thought, this is exactly what I need. I want to be like that guy, you know, who uh, gets the sand kicked in his face, who, who becomes the muscle man. I want to be a black belt in karate. No more wimpy kid. I want to be a deadly weapon. That way I also might have a chance of getting a girlfriend. So, I went into training. I trained six days a week, two to three hours a day. I was focused like a soldier. Followed all of the rules of, a club, like, of the club like an athlete. I worked hard, keeping the goal in mind like a farmer. After five years, I graduated from university. I knew pretty much nothing about psychology or law. Uh, but I had a university blue in karate. I had my black belt and I had my girlfriend. Uh, Carmelina couldn't resist my tough guy charm. <laughs> Paul wants Timothy to stick with Jesus, to pass on the message, ready to suffer. And in a similar way, it's going to mean being undistracted like a soldier, following the rules like an athlete, and working hard with the goal in mind, like a farmer. Paul says to Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying, and then he reminds Timothy of his own example and of the example of Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus was king in the line of David, but how did he enter his kingship? Through death. He died before he rose again and came into his throne. Similarly, Paul is suffering for the gospel. Sticking with the message and passing it on will mean suffering, but Paul does it anyway. And why? Because God has his chosen people. God is in control. Eternal glory stands before everyone who relies on Jesus. And Paul has the opportunity to be part of God's great plan. Verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So much at stake. Paul finishes this section with a poem. It's a poem about what will happen to people uh, who stick with Jesus and what will happen to people who don't. Uh, if you stick with Jesus, if you faithfully keep on trusting and serving Jesus to the very end, you will have eternal life in him. You will live with him. You will be part of his kingdom. You will reign with him. Uh, verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. That's one side. Stick with Jesus. Eternity is yours. But there's a flip side. If you disown Jesus, if you stop relying on him, you will stand before God on judgment day on your own. Jesus will not be there for you. You'll be left to face the consequences of your sin. And that is not because Jesus is unfaithful. No, no, no. He's laid it out perfectly clearly. He says, if you stick with me, you'll be saved. If you reject me, I will judge you. 
Jesus will be faithful. He will faithfully do exactly what he has said he will do. If you stick with him, you will be saved. If you reject him, he will faithfully judge you. Halfway through verse 12. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. All right. Can you see what's here in this passage then? Paul is calling on Timothy to, do you remember, stick with the message of grace, pass it on to people who pass it on, ready to suffer. How's Timothy going to do that? Well, he's got to be undistracted like a soldier, follow the rules like an athlete, be diligent, eyes on the prize like a farmer. Why should he do it? Well, so much is at stake. So much is at stake. With Jesus, eternal life. Without him, too terrible to contemplate. Well, that's what the passage means. So, what should we do about it? How does it, how does it apply to us? I, I think the first thing to say, the first thing to say is, I think we should be encouraged. Uh, there is plenty happening in our church that should encourage us. Uh, I am convinced that the majority of people sitting in this room, the vast majority of people sitting in this room, understand grace. I'm convinced that the majority of people sitting in this room are relying on the life, death and resurrection of Jesus for their eternal salvation. I believe that the true message about Jesus from the Bible is being relied on and is being passed on here at Chatsworth Presbyterian Church by our leadership and by many, many individuals. We ought to be encouraged. A second thing to say is this. We should be so thankful uh, so, so thankful that in our country and at our point in history that we are able to be Christians and able to sit here and able to commend Jesus with very little suffering. Quite unlikely that you will end up chained like a criminal for talking about Jesus. You've got to realise this is very unusual circumstances, very unusual in the broader world and very unusual in history. In most places, at most times, if we believe what we believe and, and commend what we commend, we'd be suffering more than we are. We should be encouraged and we should be thankful. Uh, but thirdly, I think we should also feel the challenge here. Uh, the fact is, as we thought about at the beginning, the vast majority of people who will become Christians will do so through the influence of a friend or family member. The gospel is passed on by ordinary Christians who are faithful and brave enough to tell their family and friends about Jesus. My grandfather used to have a saying. He used to say, Jeff, if it's worth doing... It's worth paying someone to do it for you. 
And that works for a lot of stuff. It's good North Shore saying. And my wife will tell you, if there's any DIY job at my place, I should pay someone to do it rather than do it myself. But, but friends, it doesn't work when it comes to passing on the message about Jesus. It's not about paid professionals. History and experience tell us it's about ordinary Christians. So let me ask you, how are you going? Are you playing your part? Are you passing on the baton? Let me ask it in a very specific way. Can you name the name of a person or people with whom you are currently trying to share the gospel? Can you name names in your head of people that you are currently trying to share the message of the gospel? Is there anyone? If you're a parent or a grandparent, hopefully there's at least your children and grandchildren. I hope you're being faithful there. But, but, but who else is there? It's hard, isn't it? can be scary. But remember what's at stake. We're talking about eternity here. This is so much more important than our day job. People who endure with Christ will reign with him forever in eternal glory. But Jesus will faithfully judge and condemn those who reject him. That's true. And if you believe it's true, then you'd have to say the most important thing is that you are trusting Jesus and commanding him. So friends, we've got to learn. We've got to learn from the soldier. We've got to learn from the athlete. And we've got to learn from the farmer. What do we learn from the soldier? Do you remember? Don't get entangled in civilian affairs. Is that you? Is that you? Could you describe yourself as a good soldier of Jesus, focused on pleasing Jesus and trusting the message to other people? Or are you so distracted in civilian affairs that it's fallen off your radar completely? I mean, I know we've got to live, I know we've got to earn a living, I know we've got to put food on the table and look after children and there's clothes to wash and stuff to do. But you're so entangled in civilian affairs that you're forgetting to please your commanding officer. What about the athlete? What do we learn from the athlete? You've got to compete according to the rules. What are the rules? We've already seen them. Stick with the gospel of grace, pass it on, ready to suffer. You're sticking with the rules? I keep on hearing people who think they can get around the rules. I was talking to a bloke the other day, I'm not going to name his name. I asked him, mate, how are you going, at, uh, how are you going in commending Jesus at work? He said, oh, well, I always try to be very honest at work. And I try to work very hard. He said that, and you know, there's a real culture of gossip at work, and I, I don't get involved in that at all. And a lot of people, they swear and they blaspheme, they say Jesus Christ, but I, I, don't, I don't do any of that sort of stuff. So that's great. That's excellent, mate. So, so who there knows that you're a Christian and you're doing this because of Jesus? Ah, that'd be no one. No one's going to put their faith in Jesus and be saved unless they hear the message about him. It's one of the rules. Trust Jesus, commend Jesus, 
ready to suffer. You've got to compete according to the rules. It means talking about Jesus. It means telling people that they're sinners who need Jesus. They're, they're going to face God's judgment without Jesus. It means talking about how Jesus lived, died and rose again for their salvation. It means calling on people. You've got you to change your life and rely on Jesus. You can't get around that rule. This guy, he's not actually commending Jesus at all. He's just commending himself as a nice person. I think we also try to get around the rule about suffering as well, don't we? I mean, we, we call it being wise. We say we don't want to put people off by being over the top. We have to watch ourselves, don't we? If we think we can be faithful to Jesus and acceptable to the world, we're kidding ourselves. If we think we can be faithful and have the respect of our peers, we're just wrong. The rule is clear. Faithfulness brings suffering. Undistracted like a soldier, holding to the rules like an athlete. What was the third example? The farmer. Diligent like a farmer. Eyes on the prize like a farmer. Is that you? Again, I know you've got to live, but are we learning from the farmer? Friends, God wants us to trust Jesus. He wants us to entrust the message, ready to suffer. Undistracted like a soldier, following the rules like an athlete, diligent like a farmer. So where do we start? Who should you talk to about Jesus? Who, who, who are the people whose names should be in your mind? Well, my suggestion, for what it's worth, is this. Choose someone easy. You don't have to go and find Richard Dawkins or someone like that. You don't have to find the most difficult, antagonistic person that there is. Warren often talks about this when, uh, when we have an evangelistic event. So we'll put on an evangelistic event, we'll say to everyone, invite, invite people to this evangelistic event. And people constantly come to Warren and they say, Warren, I don't know anyone I can invite. Or, or, or they say, look, I asked my um, atheist anarchist friend at work, but she wasn't interested. <laughs> but... but, but then, then Warren starts asking some questions. Well, what about family members? What, what about your teenage son who was coming to church until recently? Or, or, or he starts talking about people who, who are here at church who don't yet trust in Jesus. Or, or he starts talking about, um, for example, we've got people in our church whose husbands are not Christian or whose wives are not Christian. He says, well, you've got your friend here. Why don't you in, invite her husband to, to this evangelistic event? Or, or there are people coming along to Easy English Bible study. There are actually lots and lots of non-Christian people within easy reach all around you who would like to be invited to an evangelistic event, who would love you to spend time talking to them about Jesus or reading the Bible with you. You can't think of anyone? Ask Warren. Ask Warren. He'll tell you people. He'll tell you people. Ask me as well if you want to. Ask your Bible study leader. I was just talking the other day to a member of our church. Again, I'm not going to name him. I'm not going to embarrass him by naming him because I didn't get permission to tell this story. But um, uh, he was telling me just a couple of weeks ago how he, um, an old friend who he knew from many years ago sent him a Facebook request, a friend request or something it's called. Um, he accepted. And as he looked at this, his, friend's, his old friend's Facebook page, he sensed that there was what he called a spiritual yearning. So, bravely, he followed up with him, organised to meet with him, shared the gospel. Do you know what? The bloke became a Christian. 
and now he's attending a church and sharing the gospel with his wife and, and, and children. It happens with ordinary people. Oh, let me tell you another story. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, my wife Kamalina and I met a man. His name is uh, Takashi-san. Takashi is a Japanese man who came to Australia a few years ago and he started a business bringing Japanese exchange students here to Australia. Uh, Takashi-san contacted the school where my children go to school. It's a Covenant Christian school. And uh, he met there a man, a, a teacher at the school. Um, his name is Mr. Monan, Max Monan. Mr. Monan met this guy, Takashi-san, thought he's a single guy, he's out in Australia by himself, he probably needs a friend. So he befriended him, invited him over, that kind of thing, uh, talked, him, talked to Takashi-san about Jesus, what do you know, Takashi-san became a Christian. Takashi-san put his faith in Jesus and now, he was telling Kamalina and me, he's changed his whole business. Now his business isn't just getting Japanese exchange students to come. Now what he does, openly and deliberately, he brings Japanese exchange students to Australia to stay with Christian families so they can hear the message about Jesus. Uh, it's actually, it's meant some criticism back home in Japan. It's meant some loss of business. Uh, Takashi-san says, I, I don't mind, I don't care. To him, the most important thing is passing on the message of Jesus. Come on, we're bawling our eyes out as he tells the story. Good story, isn't it? Friends, it comes down to the faithfulness of ordinary Christians. It comes down to people like you and me. So what's God's word to us? Stick with the message of grace. Pass it on to people who pass it on, ready to suffer. I want to finish by just giving you a moment to, to reflect on this for yourself. Who is there in your life that you could entrust the gospel to? Can, can you think of names in your head? And, and how could you do it? Think, strategize, plan. T take a moment to think about it. Take a moment to pray. Just, just by yourself, ask God to give you opportunity. Ask God to give you bravery. And then in, in about a minute, I'll pray. Okay, you know what we're doing? Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the magnificent news about the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he offers a salvation with eternal glory to sinners like us. Heavenly Father, please help us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to entrust the message to people who will go on to entrust it themselves. Help us to be ready to suffer. Help us to be undistracted like the soldier, competing according to the rules like the athlete, diligent like the farmer, faithfully serving Jesus to the very end, that we may live with him and reign with him in your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.